Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today. Let's have some fun. 400 laps. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10 4. We'll make it happen. We know what we got to do. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Austin Dillon is on. Man, they can't mess it up, truthfully. Um, Bristol is Bristol, and it doesn't matter what lane you're in. It's a good race. Ryan Blaney by a car length and a half. You always are looking forward to races. You, you know, the second time back when you have a great car like that. And then something happens that's out of your control. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Hercules Tires, right on our string. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you for yet another weekly get-together. And we have a lot to fish to fry this week, my friends. We are done with Michigan and Mid-Ohio. We throw our sails up in the wind. We'll go sailing into Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend, but we've got lots to cover between now and then, including an exclusive face-to-face interview with Clint Boyer on this week's show. He'll tell us about his season. He'll also tell us about his motorcycle trip to Sturgis, South Dakota, and a whole lot more. We mentioned Mid-Ohio over the weekend. NASCAR Xfinity Series winner Justin Allgaier is going to join us to talk about his win on Saturday. Give us a little preview of this weekend's Food City 300 at Bristol Motor Speedway. We're also going to talk to another winner. NASCAR Camping World Truck Series winner from Michigan, Brett Moffitt, will stop by as well. Plus, we'll look forward to Bristol this weekend with Kyle Busch's crew chief, Adam Stevens. Adam's going to give us the keys about setting up a winning race car on that fast half mile. Plus, Kim Coon's going to have a social media minute. We will help you with your fantasy racing team for Bristol. We'll learn the events of this week in NASCAR history and a whole lot more. But to get us started on this week's show, we bring in the host of NASCAR Today Midday. Kyle Rickey is here with the very latest in NASCAR news. Kyle? Mike, the domination of the big three continued this past weekend at Michigan International Speedway with Kevin Harvick claiming the win. Harvick, along with Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, have won a combined 17 of the 23 races run thus far this season. And there's a good chance that streak will continue this Saturday night at the Bristol Motor Speedway where Kyle Busch has found so much success in recent years and believes that he can respond to Harvick's Michigan win this weekend. I mean, certainly Harvick's been fast there too. Uh, I think he won there a couple years ago, uh, but, you know, obviously we're kind of on a hot streak with Bristol. We love going there. I would like to think that uh, we can go there, be fast, and, um, and be able to respond, absolutely. So we'll see what we can do uh, getting there and um, hopefully having a fast race car and doing what we normally do there is just try to stay out of trouble it's a tough place to uh to stay out of trouble but several of the sport's brightest stars have yet to win this season 
including Brad Keselowski, who sits seventh in the championship standings and is coming off a second-place finish last Sunday to Harvick. Keselowski believes his team Penske team is close. It's important to, to get what you have out of your car, and, and although we might not have race-winning speed, you, you still need to execute. So with that in mind, that's, that's good for everybody's morale at, at Team Penske and, and in, on the two-team as well. Uh, but of course, we want to break through and win as well. Um, and and you know, kind of like you indicated, we're not where we need to be to just win on, on pure speed against uh, uh, those guys week in and week out. So, you know, we just got to we got to find it. Keselowski's last win came at the Talladega Super Speedway last October. And the race weekend at the Bristol Motor Speedway kicks off a bit early this week with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series UNOH 200 on Thursday night. Motor Racing Network will have live coverage beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the final race before the eight-driver playoff field is set. Mike? Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we're going to hear from NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Michigan winner Brett Moffitt and NASCAR Xfinity Series winner from Mid-Ohio, Justin Allgaier, as well. Duralast batteries are proven tough to perform in temperatures of 140 degrees and 40 below zero. Because when you can start in extreme conditions, you can start in everyday conditions. Like running late for work, a broken alarm, creepy parking spots. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone. Visit any of our 5,000 locations nationwide and let's get you what you need. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, what's that look on your face? Defeat? You want to save more money? Then start playing as a team. Bundle home and auto with Progressive. That's how you win big savings. What? You need music to get pumped? Let's do this. Hold on, I'm going to turn it up. That's too loud. Yeah, that's better. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all stages situations. NASCAR Camping World Truck Series winner Brett Moffitt joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We appreciate you spending time with us on this week's NASCAR Live. We swing things over to the hotline right now. Let's bring in the winner of the Corrigan Oil 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Michigan International Speedway this past Saturday. Brett Moffitt is with us. Brett, fourth win of the year in the trucks over the weekend. Congratulations and welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's always good to be back on after a successful weekend. And Michigan was the side of my first career truck win and glad to go get a second one for this HRE group and our fourth of the season. So pretty amazing what this team's done to this point in the year. And, and I'm just honored and grateful to be in this position. Was the weekend as easy as it looked? And when I say easy, I'm not trying to, not trying to dismiss any challenges that you had because you obviously had to hold off Johnny Sauter. But what about from the time that you rolled off the lift gate all the way to the time you rolled the truck into victory lane? What kind of weekend was it for you guys? Uh, honestly, it had a lot of ups and downs. Um, I wasn't very happy with the truck after first practice, but Scott Zipidelli and the guys here made really good adjustments for second practice, and, and we got it pretty comfortable and, and driving really good. So uh, practice was a bit of a whirlwind, but then um, the race there at Michigan is always really frustrating as a driver because it's just so hard to complete passes and uh, we qualified 21st, which is obviously not where we wanted to be, and uh, made for a long race, but at the end of the day, it was a successful one. We had a game plan. We stuck to it, and it was able to work out. When you say racing at Michigan is, is tough and, and making passes and all that, is there a sequence that you go through as a driver to set up one, and if so, how long does it, does it take 
for you to execute it. Yeah, it always seems to be a little bit different racing there each time. And, and the draft is so important there that if you pull out a line and go to the bottom, if you don't successfully complete the pass in one corner, it seems like the outside line is going to freight train you. So I spent, you know, a good first half, first three quarters of the race just trying to dial in how to make those passes and when's the right time to go and, and when do you need to be patient and just ride and wait for a better opportunity. So um, with that being said, it's, it was difficult. And if you do pull out a line, you better hope someone goes with you. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a big learning curve. And, and by the end of the race, you know, I think starting 21st kind of helped me figure that out, and that, that allowed me to, to know what to do at the end. The fourth win of the year we mentioned a moment ago for Brett Moffitt in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Wins at Atlanta, Iowa, Chicago, and now Michigan. Three of those four come with mile-and-a-half racetracks attached to them. And you got three mile-and-a-half tracks in the playoffs. Does this give you some confidence that once you get into the playoff race that you perhaps maybe could have a leg up on some others in the field? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, our mile-and-a-half program has been really, really strong this year. Uh, we've been we've been pretty good everywhere we've gone, uh, but the mile and a half really seemed to be where where we shine. And uh, Vegas earlier in the year, we had a really really fast truck, and we were racing and and got caught up with some lap traffic that I think kind of potentially cost us a win. So I'm looking forward to going back there in the playoffs and and hopefully have a successful round one and and get into round two uh, with no pressure. Chatting with 26 year old Brett Moffitt, a native of Grimes, Iowa, driving for. Hattori Racing Enterprises and Brett this is a team that I don't think a lot of people saw coming I, I think that the performance this year that the team has turned in has actually opened some eyes around the garage and all of a sudden we're seeing this team that has burst on the scene with these wins you've been around for a while so is the team but what has come together this year that has put that 16 truck and you up front and in contention to win these races you know I think the job Ryan Truex did and everybody here last year of, of building momentum and, and making their equipment better, um, that really gave me and them a lot of confidence going into this season. And obviously I've worked with Scott Zippadelli a few times in the past, and, and we always love working with each other and have a ton of confidence in each other. And just everyone at the team, um, you know, thrives off that. So I think it was just a, a matter of timing, and, and they were able to work on the offseason and build off of what them and Ryan did last year. And uh, we just have really good race tundras every time we go to the track and, and confidence in one another, and I think that goes a long way. Is the chemistry down between you and Scott? Is everything the way you would like it to be, or is there some more work to do in that department? No, me and him have always been really good together. Um, we worked at Red Horse together and even back at RAB back in, I think, 2011 when I ran my first Xfinity race. And just right from the get-go, we've always been on the same page. Um, and had the same mentality going into a race weekend. So it's it's amazing to work with him, and, and all the guys here are on that same page as well. So it's just everyone gels really well, and, and we're friends away from the track. And when we need to put our work hats on and go compete, we're great competitors together also. It's interesting you mentioned your, your time spent in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You've also raced in the Cup Series, uh, K&N Pro Series East. Your career started with, like, modifieds, ASA late models, things of that. Wherever you go, there's always lessons to be learned. In what series did you learn the most? And that could be anything from the nuts and bolts of racing to how to communicate. What are some of the bigger lessons that you've learned racing in those series, and which which series taught you that? Um, I'd say a little bit of both. I'd say my first major learning curve was racing dirt modifieds, where 
uh, it was my responsibility to get the car ready and understand the car and scale it all myself. And um, I had a mentor in Bob Harris, and, and he was a big – he really pushed at that, that I needed to know the car and know the adjustments. And I think that was um, a key to my career and, and always understanding the race vehicle itself and not just telling the crew chief what it needs. So that was a big step. And then racing the year of Cup was, was huge. You know, you're out there with 40 of the best drivers in the country or in the world, and – um they're aggressive man so so racing with those guys you learn a lot and um you know i'd say those are the two biggest things of of learning factors in my career you know that is something brett that a lot of folks underestimate when you get to the level that you're at a lot of folks forget days gone by and it's interesting you bring up the dirt modified element and knowing how to prepare the car and knowing how to race the car you're in a position now to where you don't necessarily set the car up yourself but having that understanding from back in the day, does that help you communicate better with the team and the crew chief to know exactly what you need, even though you may not be doing it yourself, just being able to explain it in a, in a better way? Yeah, I think it helps a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I try to be at the shop at least a couple days a week, and I always try to be here when they're pulling the truck down and getting it ready to go to the track. Just so I understand what package we have in it and what are our options are once we get to the track and practice. So I think it helps helps me and Scott dissect where the problem is if we have one and, and what corner of the race car we need to work on. Speaking of loading up the truck, the next time you load up the truck, it's going to be headed off to Bristol Motor Speedway for a Thursday night under the lights uh, race. Obviously, racing at Bristol can be very exhilarating. Give us a little preview about what we can expect with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series under the lights at Bristol Thursday night. Yeah, Bristol's always a fun one as a driver. It's such an aggressive racetrack and um, it's been a little more challenging in the past couple of years with them putting the PJ one down on the racetrack. You have to be able to run well in that, but then when it starts to wear off late in the race, you have to be able to run well, kind of middle to top. I don't think the trucks are going to get all the way to the wall, uh, but you'll get about a truck length off of it or truck width off of it. Um, so you really need to have a good driving tundra there and you need to be able to move around and you need to be able to go where people aren't racing. As far as that PJ one, giving up the groove, moving around, do you prefer the bottom, the top? Do you prefer to be in the PJ1? I mean, is there is there even a way for you to prefer where you'd like to race, considering that I'm sure that at some points of that race you're going to have trucks all over the place that you're going to have to negotiate? Yeah, it's de yeah, it definitely seems like on restarts you'd prefer the top. It seems like the momentum gets going a little bit sooner there, uh, and the bottom kind of gets stacked up. But as the race goes, you really just kind of got to go where you have to go to get around trucks and um early in the race i think it's going to be bottom dominant and hopefully our truck's driving good down there and then i think it's going to start to move up to the middle so um you know practice we just even though the pj1 is going to be the faster way around i think we need to work on driving in multiple grooves and seeing how the truck handles the, when the race starts we're ready for it well thursday night is the final race in the regular season for the nascar camping road truck series playoffs start one week later with the canadian tire uh, motorsport folk welcoming us north of the border um, it's going to be a fun time to see how this shakes out, Brett. You're, you're stride for stride with Johnny Sauter. Most wins of the year. You are well playoff qualified, and it seems like you're hitting your stride at just the right time. We wish you the best in Bristol. We also wish you the best in the 2018 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs. Yeah, thank you very much. I think uh, this is the Tory Racing Group. We have something to prove, and, and we're going to go out swinging here and, and try to do our best. That is Brett Moffitt. Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Brett Moffitt winning the Corrigan Oil 200 Saturday at Michigan International Speedway. Coming up next, we'll have this week's Social Media Minute and later, Justin Allgaier. 
NASCAR fans, the last great Coliseum is calling you. This is Bristol! We'll be camping out and grilling all day long, then racing under the lights with fierce clashes. Trouble turn three, Austin Dillon! And hair-raising finishes. Now grab your family and friends and get your tickets for the best pro shops NRA night race at Bristol, Saturday, August 18th, by calling 423-BRISTOL or visiting bristolticks.com today. Kyle Petty here. My friends at Click and Close, the official mortgage provider of NASCAR, have stepped up this year to support Victory Junction through the fastest lap of the race program on NASCAR radio. So join our team. Go to clickandclose.com slash NASCAR today to donate $43 or more and help us give the gift of camp to children with serious medical conditions. That's clickandclose.com slash NASCAR. And just look for the Victory Junction logo. Thanks to Click and Close and NASCAR radio for their support this season. Don't forget, we have NASCAR Camping World Truck Series racing Thursday night under the lights at Bristol Motor Speedway. Motor Racing Network's live coverage of the UNOH 200 begins at 8 p.m. Eastern. Kim Kuhn joins us next with a social media minute. First, this is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We are cruising on along on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. So glad you're with us. Kim Kuhn is with us right now with a social media minute. Kim, what's the latest in the NASCAR social media world? Well, Mike, you have got to have been living under a rock if you don't know about Victory Lane this past weekend in Michigan. Kevin Harvick obviously won his seventh race on the season, but the way he celebrated was completely unique and so fun and made for a great father-son moment. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, hop on social media and check out Kevin Harvick's account. He tweeted the cutest photo of himself and Keelan saying, man, what a weekend. Keelan and I have been planning that victory lap for a while. What a great moment. As you know, Keelan hopped in the car with his dad after he got the checkered flag. They took a little victory lap, and then Keelan got to celebrate in victory lane. If you want to see some of the videos of it, Delana Harvick has retweeted some of them, so you can go to her account, at Delana Harvick. And she just kind of retweeted the video and used the hashtag making memories. So a really sweet father-son moment this past weekend in Michigan. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about, Mike, because I know you're a Redskins fan. We all know the story about how Denny Hamlin got to meet Coach Gibbs 26 years ago as an 11-year-old and had this Super Bowl 26 hat signed by Coach Gibbs. He ended up losing the hat. Well, he actually got to attend a Redskins training camp recently, and they gifted him a new vintage Super Bowl 26 hat, and all that was left was to get Coach Gibbs' signature on it, and that's exactly what Denny did. You can go to at Joe Gibbs Racing on Twitter and see the special moment each of them had. And the tweet reads, special moment between Denny Hamlin and Coach today. Denny got his throwback Redskins hat signed once again, and this time he really is driving for coach so I thought that was a really cool story but if you want to follow us and weigh in on everything social media you can do that using hashtag ask MRN of course follow us at MRN radio we're going to be covering all the truck action from Bristol this weekend thank you Kimmy Bristol is going to be a whole lot of fun this weekend but for fantasy players Bristol could be a difficult track to predict so to help you make those hard choices here is the host of the inside line fantasy racing show one Tyler Burnett 
Thanks, Mike. The big three struck again last week with a dominating performance from Kevin Harvick. He won the first two stages along with the race, which was max points for our fantasy team. Thank you, Mr. Harvick, for that. I feel like the same thing can be done this week from a big three driver, and his name's Kyle Busch. He has two Bristol wins in a row, has led a bunch of laps here. He's a very good start in all fantasy formats. I will probably give Martin Truex Jr. a break this week on my fantasy team. He has finished 21st or worse in his past two starts at Bristol. As far as the other big three member, Kevin Harvick, he is very consistent at Bristol. If you want to play him, I'm okay with it, but I like Kyle Busch better, and I'm probably going to sit Kevin Harvick this week. Some names to play this week that aren't in the dominating trio of the big three, that is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he finished fourth in the spring, best average finish among active drivers, along with seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson. Could this be the week for Jimmy Johnson? He's got a good shot. His worst finish in the last four races at Bristol is 11th. During that time, he has two podium finishes and also a win. I like Ryan Newman this week. He's looking for three top tens in a row at Bristol. I think Eric Jones and Kyle Larson could be potential dominators as well. Larson led a lot of laps in the spring. Blaney, Boyer, Logano are also some other names to think about this week when heading to Bristol. If you are interested in more information like this and just want to take the next step in fantasy racing, winning money on DraftKings or FanDuel, check out the Inside Line Fantasy Racing Show every Friday on MRN.com. Mike? Thank you, Tyler. Coming up on NASCAR Live, NASCAR Xfinity Series winner from Mid-Ohio, Justin Allgaier will join us. And later, Kyle Busch's crew chief, Adam Stevens, will join us as well. Things happen fast in racing, and if you don't know where to look, you can miss it all. With Legend from Racing Electronics, you'll never miss another moment. Legend gives you live fan vision video, in-car cameras, and stats at NASCAR and other Premier Series events. And the next-generation race scanner for unfiltered driver and crew audio at any motorsports event nationwide. NASCAR fans have never been closer to the action. Welcome to the future of the fan experience. Learn more by visiting racingelectronics.com. After more than 1 million hours of development, the truck of the future has arrived. The new Cascadia from Freightliner, inspired by science, driven by passion. It's loaded with driver-focused improvements, such as noise abatement technologies for an even quieter ride, an innovative wraparound dashboard for improved comfort, and a reimagined driver's lounge that promotes productivity and relaxation. Experience the new Cascadia at your dealer or online at Freightliner.com. NASCAR Xfinity Series winner from Mid-Ohio, Justin Allgaier, will join us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Justin Allgaier for the final time through turn number 11. Hunts the inside line. He'll be looking for the checkered flag here in Mid-Ohio. Just keeping it between the walls as he negotiates the carousel and comes through turn 13 for the final time this afternoon. He hails from Illinois, but he is loving life in Ohio. Justin Allgaier wins the Rock and Roll Tequila 170. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded Saturday on the Motor Racing Network. The Rock and Roll Tequila 170 belongs to Justin Allgaier of Junior Motorsports. And Justin is back on NASCAR Live to chat about it. Justin, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, man. I'm doing good. How about you today? I'm doing wonderful. When we spoke before the race, um, you, Rick Brandt, myself, Rick said that there was going to be a big party if you won that race on Saturday. And indeed you did. What was the party festivities like once the checker flag fell there at Mid-Ohio? Well, it was a little bit crazy afterwards because obviously um, 
you know, you really don't. I mean, you you want that to happen, and you you want to go to, to victory lane, but at the same time, too, um, as hard as these are anymore, you know, you, you never can expect something like that. So uh, Rick is always very optimistic, and and I think that from you know my standpoint, when it was all said and done, I look back on it and said, man, he was he was definitely spot on with that one. But uh, you know, it was interesting because you, you obviously go through everything post race, and you know, um, all the the, the different things that are going on, uh, and then we we actually hopped on a plane and, and flew to Knoxville, Iowa, and uh, went to the Knoxville Nationals and got to spend a little bit of time there. You know, Brent had a car uh, with Kyle Larson um, at the at the Knoxville Nationals, so spent some time there, and then uh, flew back to, to Illinois and got to spend a little bit of time with with family and and friends, and and uh, it made it, it made for a nice nice couple of days, that's for sure. Well, let's go back through the race. Uh, I know you had. You know, good practice, good qualifying, green flag flies, and it seems like there were a couple of moments in that race where things did not go as planned. We saw you driving aggressively. Was that out of design? Was that out of uh, response to certain things that happened on the racetrack? What was going on there? A little bit of both. You know, I think um, you know, the first stage there obviously was, was really good for us. We, we stayed out, though, and uh, chose to, to try to get the, the points. And... Um, you know that I think that was a great call, um, but on the flip side of it, you know when we got to the um, the end of the first stage and a lot of cars had come down pit road, um, you know we really didn't know what to expect. So we we're trying to get back to the field, made an aggressive move, um, ended up four wide off into the dirt, uh, not ideal situation for sure. And so you know I think from that point it changed everything. You know it changed the strategy, it changed the game. I think we fell all the way back to 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that range. Um, and, and then from there, you know, it's just a matter of trying to be methodical about things and, and not screw anything up more than it already was. And I got turned around with maybe, I don't know, 15 to go, 12 to go, something like that. And that one really, for whatever reason, that one really set me off inside the car. I was, I was really struggling at that point. Um, you know, just just because we had come all the way back to to where we were at and, and to have that happen. But you know, when the when the last caution came out and uh, not the, the caution before the last one came out, excuse me, um, and Jason decided to to come down and put tires on, that was uh, that was a big deal for me. You know, that was that was a that was like the moment where you know you go from being on defense to being on offense, and I think that was a the difference maker for the day and and definitely a good one. How much of what you experienced was offense towards you or defense towards you, and what precipitated that spin there in the carousel? Um, it was interesting, you know. The 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 carousel, um, Cole and I got together, and you know it was funny because I had I had gotten by him um, a couple laps before that, and you know had actually come from a long ways back and gotten by him, and I think just being being behind and seeing what he was doing wrong allowed him to kind of pick up some speed and, and his car was really good in the middle of the corners. And, and, um, you know, I think it's just, that's a really, really slick, slow part of, of the track. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much a to, to, to get, you know, out of sorts there, but two, when you've got three, four five cars kind of all, you know, pressuring and, and pushing, um, I think it was just a mistimed, mistimed spot. And unfortunately, you know, the, the result was what it was. The good news was is it wasn't worse than it was. You know, I think that 
it could have easily been a lot uh, a lot more damage there and, and you know a lot more detrimental to the day so um really just glad that it worked out the way that it did and then you know after that um you know the the restart there i there was a lot of blocking you know i think that was probably the hardest part and i, I think we see that a lot on the road races but uh, just a lot of blocking and that made it more challenging uh to say the least but still all in all a good day is that a nature of racing today we see it i know a lot at Daytona, Talladega, we see it blocking, and that is on restarts at certain tracks. Is that the new norm now? Unfortunately, I think yes. Um, you know, it's it's definitely. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it to be honest with you, but I think you know as, as hard as it is anymore to pass. Um, you know, all the cars are so equal, and I think that you know from a from a standpoint of that, you know, it's it's way easier to get it done early than to have to try and work on somebody for lap after lap after lap or if you're the one getting past you know it's you know that you're if you get past you're you're not really going to be that much slower you know um and it's only going to make your car drive worse being being behind so you know it's just a matter of trying to kind of manage that and do the best you can but man it's it's uh it gets a little bit a little bit crazy sometimes a little bit too crazy for sure Chatting with Justin Allgaier, winner over the weekend at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Now headed into Bristol Motor Speedway for the Food City 300 coming up on Friday night. Five races to go in the regular season. What does Bristol throw at you race after race that perhaps maybe has the opportunity to set you guys into fits trying to trying to overcome whatever that is? Well, I think the biggest thing that the challenges are just the change. Um, you know, it seems like every time we go back, it's different. This is a fairly short race for us, so um, you know, kind of managing that is a is a big deal. Um, but the, the track conditions seem to change every time we go, you know, and and, and that's weird to say uh, because it it hasn't changed in shape in how long, right? Uh, but but for whatever reason, the the track conditions are always seemingly different, and um, that makes it challenging. You know, it makes it challenging on a driver, but also too on on a crew chief or uh, you know an engineer or a crew. Because you're trying to keep up with, you know, kind of a an ever-changing world. Whereas a lot of the other tracks we go to, um, you know, stuff seems to stay pretty relevant, you know, year after year or time after time. You know, maybe a few small tweaks here or there, but but uh, Bristol's not that way at all. So I don't know why that is, but uh, it, it just makes it more of a challenge. But I think that's why a lot of a lot of drivers like it is because it is a challenge, and you know, you're going to go out there and and uh, push yourself to the absolute limit, and it, it makes it a fun fun racetrack. They're going to be putting the PJ1, the sticky substance, down on the racetrack again. Are you a fan of that? Well, I'm a fan of whatever, you know, makes it the best for the fans and, and for, you know, the people that are there supporting the races. And, and if that helps, then I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I'm, I'm more of a middle-to-top guy, so, you know, I, I'm not as big of a fan of it, per se, as probably what other people are. But uh, I also think that, you know, it's one of those things that I think that everybody's got their thing, right? And and we're all in the same boat. We all have to deal with it. And I think it's just a matter of who manages it the best. So um, I, I'm not a fan of it, but on the flip side of it, I've been, I've been, I've been able to kind of overcome it and race through it. So um, we'll do the best we can to manage it, I guess. You know, that's really all you can do. And we will wish you the best in doing just that. On Friday night, under the lights of the Food City 300, our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have that call. 
And then it's off to Road America, Darlington, Indianapolis, and Las Vegas, the regular season for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the big Mid-Ohio win, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you, as always. Thanks, Justin. Coming up on NASCAR Live, Kyle Busch's crew chief Adam Stevens will talk short track racing at Bristol, and later we'll go face-to-face -face with Clint Boyer. Duralast batteries are proven tough to perform in temperatures of 140 degrees and 40 below zero. Because when you can start in extreme conditions, you can start in everyday conditions. Like running late for work, a broken alarm, creepy parking spots. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone. Visit any of our 5,000 locations nationwide and let's get you what you need. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Grunt style. The American fighting spirit is in everything we make. We are 500 patriots and veterans strong, bringing clothing manufacturing back to the United States of America. Always moving forward, never retreating, never giving up. We are Grunt style, and this we'll defend. Get yours at gruntstyle.com. Kyle Busch's crew chief, Adam Stevens, joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This week, MRN's Woody Kane had a chance to catch up with the crew chief of the number 18 M&M's Toyota Camry for Kyle Busch. That would be Adam Stevens. Adam and Woody discussed this Saturday night's Bristol night race. So with all the lane grinding and the goop they put down at Bristol, from your perspective as a crew chief, where do we stand now? Are we comfortable? Are we still searching around for what's best there, or is everything squared away? I think everybody's comfortable, but it's a sliding scale. It depends on how the rubber goes down, how much the uh, PJ1 wears off, if and when the top starts to come in. The last couple of races, we've had rain delays and then respraying, and then the groove moves around that much more again. So um, as the weekend goes, if you don't have any weather, there seems to be a pretty distinct pattern in how it changes, and eventually the top will come in. So you have to be able to do uh, have a maneuverable car that can operate on the bottom and the top. I've heard a lot of guys talk about waiting for that stuff to activate. What do they mean by that? Well, it seems like now that we all have some experience with it, and this is all from the racetrack, not from any actual data on the stuff. But uh, You're not wearing a lab coat right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it seems like it has to get a little bit of temperature in it before it's grippy. Um, initially, when it's cold, um, it seems almost slick. And then it'll build a couple degrees, and then all of a sudden it's locked down super grip. So uh, there's a transition period there, and uh, sometimes the only way to find it's the hard way. So you try to let somebody else do that for you, and then you ease your way down into it. At a concrete track, you don't think of it being that much uh, of, of a track that's sensitive to weather, but does Bristol change at night versus the day much? It changes a little. Um, it, the, the grip level changes, and how the rubber goes down changes. When it's hot and slick, the rubber goes down one way, and when it cools off, it goes down another way. Uh, and I think that's just exacerbated by the handling conditions everybody's having. Different parts of the track where you might slide the tires or have a handling condition in the heat and in the sun with the track temp up, uh, you'll have a different handling condition when the track temp's down, so you'll be sliding the tires in another part of the racetrack, and the rubber will go down somewhere else. Strategy-wise, obviously you'd, you'd like to just get out in front and run away from everybody if you can, but strategy-wise, what's kind of your overriding thought at a track like Bristol? It's been really hard on tires the last couple of years. You know, a few years back, 
you could put a lot of laps on tires. You know, you might get a caution with 25 or 30 and stay out. Now you get a caution with 25 or 30, and you're praying you have a set of tires you can bolt on there. Four tires, not two. Um, so it's with the tire changes and the PJ1, it, it's really wearing the tires out hard. So you really want them. Uh, and you might have more cautions than you have tires, so you have to use them judiciously. Thanks for your time. Good luck. All right. Thank you. That's Adam Stevens, crew chief for Kyle Busch. Coming up next, we're going to go face-to-face -face with Clint Boyer, and later we'll look back on the events of this week in NASCAR history. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, get your head in the game. This ain't no exhibition match. This is for real. You've got a house to insure, and there are no excuses because Progressive's Home Quote Explorer makes it easier than ever to get the coverage you need. Here's some music to get you pumped. Feel that confidence. Did I say stop saving money? No. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. MRN Original Programs. Stream on MRN.com. Check out NASCAR drivers on Motorsports Monday with Woody Kane and Joey Wing Meyer. Sprint Car Racing on Wing Nation with Steve Post and Aaron Everett. Meet NASCAR team crews on Crew Call with Sammy Joe and Rocco. NASCAR Local and Regional Racing on NASCAR Coast to Coast with Kyle Rickey and Hannah Newhouse. NHRA Talk on the Straight Line with Marty Huff and Doug Herbert. Your home for original motorsports talk. MRN.com. We've got an exclusive face-to-face -face interview with Clint Boyer next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for hanging out with us on this week's NASCAR Live. Over the weekend, MRN's Kim Kuhn had a chance to talk with Clint Boyer about the season and a whole lot more in this week's NASCAR Live face-to-face -face interview. Clint Boyer sees the checkered flag, and he wins the STP 500. Two wins this season, and each and every week you guys are one of the contenders for a race win. I know when I talked to Eric Amarola, one of your teammates, he says the way he runs at Stuart Haas has given him more confidence as a driver. Do you feel the same way? Has your runs, particularly this season, given you a confidence boost? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's what, you know, I was lacking. I mean, shoot, it's been a long time since I've been able to consistently run up front and get those stage points and, and you know, contend. Um, we've made a lot of mistakes this year. You know, as we wind down the regular season, start looking forward to the to the playoffs that's one thing that i know we got to do better at we've got to we've got to uh polish up our game um knock those rough edges off and not make those mistakes um find that consistency and that consistency has to be up front not ninth or tenth <laughs> it has to be consistently in that top five um to be able to have a shot and race for a championship when you get down to homestead and it's all the marbles because i was going to ask you do you feel like you're playoff ready the answer i guess is no well i mean i think you know, you're never ready. It's no different than the start of the year. It's no different than my dirt late model teams that, you know, I'm there every day or even even cup racing. You're never done. Mm -hmm. You're just, you leave for the racetrack, right? <laughs> so um, are you ever fully prepared and ready for the playoffs? No. What has to happen is you have to elevate your game. You have to be ready for that first race. And then uh, you have to be ready for whatever the case may be. Maybe you're off. Maybe you got to pick it up. You've somehow, some way, have got to dig deep, um, get more out of your weekend, more out of your communication, more out of yourself as a driver, and not make those mistakes in doing so. For me, that pressure is kind of a, a wake-up call that's needed for me right now. We're kind of sitting here in the wings, it's waiting the, on the, the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not that you lose focus right now, but 
you just get distracted. You know what I mean? It's, it's the, the season drags on right now, and, and uh, that playoffs comes at a perfect time for me because it gets you re-honed in, refocused on the task at hand. And, oh, by the way, all the marbles are on the table. I mean, that's, that's the pay window's open. It's all right there in those playoffs. So it's exciting for me, and it gives me rev back up and, and new life. So it's always been a good thing for me, uh, like I said, and it's because of that timing aspect of it. Earlier this week, Ford unveiled the 2019 Mustang. Yep. What were you thinking when they unveiled that bad boy? Well, being a car guy, growing up going to car shows and, and being around hot rods, drag racers all my life, um, I always looked at at the Ford camp and I'm like, how are we not racing the Mustang? You know what I mean? <laughs> the Mustang is the race car in the Ford stable. Um, always has been and always will be. And, and it's really neat to see it back um, you know, the forefront of, of our sport in NASCAR, not just, uh, you know, road racing and drag racing and everything else that it's always been a part of. Um, we're going to be racing the Mustang. It's a beast, man. Uh, it looks awesome. Have you gotten to drive it yet? Well, we drove new Mustangs in a parade yesterday for the unveiling. Tony drove the, the actual race car, the cup car, um, but just excited about it. Our fours are running awesome this year. Um, and you use that Mustang as an opportunity to even be better yet for next year. Well, I was going to ask, you guys are running so good this year, Ford as an organization, but you look at when other manufacturers have made switches to new models and there's been learning curves. Do you foresee <laughs> maybe you guys having a little hiccup at the beginning? I think we went through that learning curve last year. You know what I mean? As we built our database, as we built our SIM program, all, everything over again um, for our own selves and not farming it out from some other you know organization, that was the learning curve. Now it's just a, another um, you know aero balance and aero platform program that you have to work around and, and certainly have a lot of time to do so. Of course, when you build a new car and you go to the Mustang, yes, you build it to be better. Sometimes that doesn't work, but the cool thing is, is I think it's got, um, you know, we have the time aspect on our sides. We'll be working hard uh, over the offseason in the background, working on that car while we're running for a championship in the Fusion. So perfect case scenario for the Ford King. I saw a tweet earlier in the week where you went riding with what you described as some of your heroes, including yep. Rusty yeah. Wallace. I know where you were. Tell the fans where you were. <laughs> I uh, I knew Rusty and, and uh, my buddy uh, Snake, Domper Dome, and, and uh, Walker Evans uh, were all going to be out there. Mike Helton took me my first time. Out there meeting Sturgis. Yes, yes. And uh, um, he couldn't go, so I was like, well, all right. I called my brothers and made sure they could get off work. I called my old man and said, hey, you got to come pick up all of our bikes, take them to Sturgis. We're going to do it. We're going to do it together, just us boys. And I uh, went out there and met up with, with my two brothers, my dad, and, and parked all in the same camp as all those old legends. And, you know, you just realize how cool people are. And, and you know, I, I'm almost 40 years old, and I hung out all week long. I think I, one of them was 79. <laughs> one was 79 or 77, and, uh, and I don't know how old Rusty is. He's in his 60s somehow. But I'm telling you, I had more fun with those guys than I've ever had in my life. I just enjoyed the, the you know, the camaraderie and, and uh, the, just the good times. I mean, those guys are legends. There's experience that everybody says you get wiser and, and uh, more fun with experience. And I'm telling you, they're a true uh, aspect of that on, on display every day. I mean, they've run harder than any guy my age ever thought about doing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So they kept me... Uh, 
kept me up late, kept me and of course when you're that age you get up early too. So you didn't get much <laughs> sleep while you're there. Um, but uh, had a ton of fun out there with everybody and got to see a lot of people and um, you know back to back to work as usual. That's the crazy thing about our lives is you only get two or three days and you got to get your butt back. I picked Tony up in Knoxville and got in late to Michigan. So once we got that unveiling done, I took my butt back to the bus and uh, I was asleep at 7:30 last night. It was it was pretty bad. What kind of bike do you ride? Well, Harley. I figured you rode uh, a hog, but I didn't know. No, we. Uh, um, I've got anything from a, a road glide to all mine are touring bikes because I like getting on the road. I don't. I'm not that show guy. I don't have to show <laughs> up and and you know look at a bike that's just screaming. Like rev look your at me. engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you got to do that. If you're on a Harley, you got to rev your engine. But those guys that get on them hundred thousand dollar bikes and just scream and look at me and then they get off of them every 20 minutes because they're uncomfortable and they can't ride them very long i just laugh at I'm, I'm the old man in the group i like cruise control a good stereo and let her rip what's the longest ride you've taken we rode i think we rode like 700 and uh it was a little over 700 miles i saw on the odometer before i left this week so, yeah. that's what you did yeah i rode oh, 700 wow. miles uh um, in those three days so that was a, that was a good ride and out there it's so gorgeous gosh it's so pretty and so many different things to see and, and um, the people watching Supreme, just everything. It, it, everything that my life's about is all out there. The only thing I've never been able to do is take my wife. And I told her this next year she's going, come hell or high water, she'll be on the back of the Harley. But, uh, um, yeah, it was fun. I like it. Get her some leathers and some cutoffs. I like that look. on. I told her, I was like, you can rock this look. There's nothing better than a biker chick on the back of a Harley. Pretty good look. Speaking of your wife, Laura recently posted some very cute photos of your two kids, Cash and Presley. Yes. Which one of them takes after you the most? There's no question it's Cash. But, uh, um, man, I tell you, Presley, she's snap boy. She's sassy now. <laughs> I mean, she's not even two yet. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're such a girl. It's everything that you see as you women get older that you have. She's already picking it up at, at uh, one and a half. It's it's bad. I, it doesn't look good for my future yeah, on probably that not front. But, uh, yeah, she posted those pictures while I was gone, and, and uh, that's the only thing that stinks. You know, you get to go do fun things like that, and sometimes you have to leave your, your family behind, and it's the only thing you can think is, man, I wish they were here to see all this. And finally, at the end of this month, we've got a rare cup off weekend. What do you have planned? so funny you just said that my wife called me this morning and informed me i've been gone too much here lately and i'm taking her somewhere fun and it's oh. probably going to be warm in a beach so uh probably going to go wherever she wants to go i imagine there'll be bikinis involved <laughs> that's the problem man. and fruity when, drinks when you go have fun there is consequences and i'd say i, I would say the consequences are going to be pretty drastic and probably costly i wouldn't say uh, a beach weekend with your beautiful wife is a consequence it's just going to be expensive that's the only thing <laughs> you just got to prepare yourself your wallet's going to hurt <laughs> <laughs> that's glenn boyer and kim coon on this week's nascar live face-to-face -face interviews still to come we'll preview this weekend's race at bristol plus look back on the events of this week in nascar history i'm not blooming good i'm blooming great put a shrimp on the barbie and sizzle my steak Woo! i want that honey to bloom and it get in my feathers like a sonic boom no rules just right so cold so nice and i'm so 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 ready for that outback steak tonight That's what it's all about. Outback Steakhouse. Blooming great. MRN.
rn.com. Original online audio, video, and digital content. Need the latest information on each week's races? Check out the MRN.com race center. Need to find your local radio station for MRN original programs? And Camping World Truck, Xfinity, and Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series races? Go to stations on MRN.com. All the latest NASCAR news and opinion pieces, race schedules, driver standings, and archives of MRN programs, MRN race broadcasts, and so much more. MRN.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for joining us this week on NASCAR Live. In a moment, we'll preview this weekend's race coming up Saturday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. But first, let's turn back the clock on this week in NASCAR history. And this week, we start in 1988. Def Leppard has the number one album in America with Hysteria. At the Republican National Convention in New Orleans, George Bush accepted the Republican presidential nomination. At the same time, NASCAR was at Watkins Glen International. Ricky Rudd held off Rusty Wallace to win the Budweiser at the Glen. Rusty Wallace drifts to the outside of the race course. Ricky Rudd cuts him off. The two cars now running nose to tail into turn number six. It is Ricky Rudd and Rusty Wallace. Now Bill Elliott joining the lead draft there in seven. This is it, about 1,200 feet to go. Rudd is the leader. He comes out of turn number seven into the straightaway. Wallace has got one shot at about 500 feet to do it. He tries to get around the outside, goes off in the dirt, and almost gets in the rail, keeps the car under control, and Rudd will win it. Wallace will finish second. Bill Elliott will finish third. We move forward to 2000. Lone Star has the number one country song with What About Now? The Democratic National Convention was being held in Los Angeles. Al Gore accepted the nomination to represent the party in the upcoming presidential election. And again, NASCAR was at Watkins Glen. This time, it was Steve Park winning his first ever Cup Series race in the global crossing at the Glen. Steve Park, solid as a rock all day long. A couple of car links. This time, Mark Martin now trying to reel him back in. Can he make the move? Will he be able to reel him in? Not this time. Park by a car link. He turns right one last time into turn 10. Headed for turn 11. Steve Park looking for his first NASCAR Winston Cup win in his home state. Here they come to the final corner. Off turn number 11. Checkered flag in sight. And Steve Park is a first-time Winston Cup winner. I've got another confession. And we end this week in 2005. The Foo Fighters are on the radio with Best of You. Country superstar Garth Brooks signed a deal with Walmart to have his catalog only sold at the retail giant. And NASCAR was yet again at the Glen. Tony Stewart won his fifth of the past seven races to win the Sirius Satellite Radio at the Glen. Off of turn number nine for the final time and onto the short straightaway. Tony Stewart's lead of 10 car lengths continues to hold true in turn number 10 for the final time. It is Tony Stewart over Robbie Gordon, Boris Set, and Scott Pruitt. Seven weeks in a row, Tony Stewart has been the man, and he does it again here today as he picks up the victory at Watkins Glen. Happy birthdays this week to NASCAR Hall of Famer and MRN broadcaster Rusty Wallace. And those are just some of the events of this week in NASCAR history. This weekend, we're heading to Bristol Motor Speedway for some short track Saturday night racing. And for a preview, here's our Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Mike. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series teams head back to Thunder Valley this week for the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Riding the momentum from a fourth place finish in Michigan, Austin Dillon aims to collect another top five this Saturday on the ever-changing half-mile surface. We look at notes a lot from prior races and years. Hardest thing is, um, you know, throwing some of the setup stuff you learned from the first race away. 
uh, due to the temperature change. Um, also, the tires wear differently, and we'll be working hard on um, tire wear when we get there. Swept up in an April crash after leading 100 laps on the high banks, Ryan Blaney returns to Bristol with the bit between his teeth. Yeah, I've, I've really been looking forward to getting back to that place. Um, that was such a disappointment in the spring. We had an amazing race car, and uh, the track was changing, and I thought we were going to get ahead of it, and uh, then that, that deal happened. So um, you always are looking forward to races, you, you know, the second time back when you have a great car like that, and then something happens that's out of your control. Um, but you can't really dwell on it too much, but I, I am looking forward to it. Bristol is one of Honestly, the night race at Bristol was my favorite race of the year. Um, it was my favorite watching my dad run as a kid, and it's, uh, it's special to get to run on it nowadays uh, in the Cup Series. But uh, hopefully we can get some redemption there. Marking his 24th start in the Tennessee Hills, David Reagan is determined to add to his sole top 10 after a strong drive in the spring. Bristol was a, a great spot for us. We were fast in, in practice and in qualifying, and uh, the groove moved around some, and, and we made good adjustments on our car when we fired off in the race. A lot of people were running the bottom where the VHT was applied, but then as the VHT wore off, we all moved up to the top groove. And, uh, man, I, I love racing around Bristol on the top groove. I, I think it's, uh, it's it's challenging to drive. It's fun, fun from a, a fan's perspective to watch, and it's fun from a driver's perspective because we have options to pass on the bottom to run on the top side. The green flies over the Bass Pro Shops and are a night race at Bristol Motor Speedway Saturday night just after 7.30 p.m. Eastern. For this week's NASCAR Live Race Preview, I'm Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Susie. The next-to-last short track race of the year coming up this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Folks, that's going to put a bow on this week's show. We appreciate Brett Moffitt for stopping by, also Justin Allgaier, Adam Stevens, and Clint Boyer. And for the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week right here on NASCAR Live. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida and was brought to you by Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbert. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.